the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a wonderful Actually, it's kind of a crappy October 15th, Thursday, October 15th. The LA Galaxy just lose 4-0 to the San Jose Earthquakes. Lots of questions around this team. Guillermo Barrescoloto, does he need to go? Chris Klein, does he need to go? Dennis DeClosa, does he get to stay? Dan Beckerman in charge of it all. Where does he sit as well? And there's a little rumor about a former guy who you liked as a player who might come back as a coach. And you already know who I'm talking about, but I just don't want to say it until we get to that part. So... Uh, we got a lot to talk about, including that Vancouver game as well. So still games going on. LA Galaxy still struggling. The slide continues uh, to help me do all of it. It's Eric, Portuguese hammer beer. Eric, how's it going, buddy? Uh, I've, I've been better. You know, obviously yeah. with uh, the way things went yesterday, that was rough. That was a that was a rough uh, hump day that we had to go through and endure uh, an absolute absolute you know rear end kicking. You know, that was a. A clean, clean sweep. Yeah, na- nasty game that we we witnessed yesterday. So uh, I'm sure that'll give us plenty to talk about today. That's the one positive. When the galaxy are bad, the podcasting is good because there's there's plenty to talk about. Is that true? Is it? I mean, I I thought we were talking. This is what I this is what I had on the docket for tonight. Uh, I wanted to talk about the ghost that's in my room. Um, and I wanted to talk about the fact that um, I caught I caught people trying to steal packages from my neighbors on my on my camera, on my doorbell camera. That was really like the main thing wow. I wanted to hit tonight. Yeah, I know it was. It's really it's there's some exciting stuff going on in this house, uh, you know, with the global pandemic, uh, with the ghost, and then you know catching people um, red-handed. So that, those were my things I wanted to talk about. Um, anything I, I, else you want to talk about? We can throw in there. It's 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 kind of your show tonight. I, I came ready. I have the pumpkin cream cold brew. It's tough to say okay. five times fast. Drink of the season. Get yours now. Enter promo code HAMMER at, at your local Starbucks. Get 15% off. Try it. Take a video. <laughs> Tell me what happens when you try that. But yeah, it's uh, pumpkin season. Let's talk by about the way, that. By the way, uh, Logan in the chat room says, already guessing who the player is. He says, uh, he says Steven Gerrard is coming back to coach the LA Galaxy. I, I, thought, I thought that that's was what we call that's a, that's That's a fun one. We'll get to that. Uh, LA Galaxy lose 4 nothing to the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, okay. How do we set this up correctly, Hammer? I mean, we don't want to talk about your TikToks and you almost getting, like, run down and handcuffed by security. <laughs> that's, that's, we don't, we don't need that. Plus, you're banned from having any more TikToks. Uh, not because the LA Galaxy said anything, because I'm saying it. Uh, the last one, I think, was over the line, and it certainly didn't help the LA Galaxy. So I don't think there's any reason to continue these shenanigans. Um, so we don't, we, we uh, don't want to talk I'm, about that. But yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel justified because, you know, uh, I think I, uh, the TikToks were a bubble idea, you know, early on in, in quarantine, uh, decided to start making some TikToks and then they went and flamed out of the MLS's back tournament. So I stopped making TikToks and I said, you know what, they have a losing streak without the TikTok, so I might as well run it back. Figured, you know, I'm at the stadium, might as well get some good juju. Uh, maybe there were there were some red flags when I had some people asking me questions and uh, asking for my camera, asking for my badge number. Uh, I, I, I was a uh, I was I was chased around a little bit <laughs> trying to get that video. So I know some people were asking for for some TikToks. So I was you know trying my best to bring that for you for those of you who had interests. But uh, it was not easy. I, w- I was sweating and 
and running around uh, pregame yesterday. But it was an interesting experience. So that didn't work either. Some people said try a different leg or try a different dance or try something else. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe you just need to be Jonathan Dos Santos and you need to add some some dancers to your TikToks. I think that would that would do <laughs> I, as well. I, 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 I mentioned that trouble. not to... Yeah, I, I mentioned that yeah. not to uh, not to bring that up because I care. Um, I mentioned it because I thought it was funny, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so I really don't care what Jonathan Dos Santos does in quarantine, which is where he's at. We will talk about that a little bit as well. Um, all right, here you go. Here's the LA Galaxy. Uh, it's a 4 nothing loss to the San Jose Earthquakes. You know all about that. It's an interesting game because a lot of things happened. Um, you have to dive into it and sort of see how the team started, um, how the LA Galaxy in particular started, where were the surprises in that start and the starting lineup, um, and then the formation was a surprise as well, although it wasn't a surprise, but it is a surprise, and then it wasn't a surprise, it didn't work, so we'll get into that. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, I, was that was that a good, succinct uh, sort of answer was, there? Yeah, perfect. You know, it was just as confusing as the lineup itself. Good. I'm, I'm glad we got it. Uh, one thing happened that I think we kind of understood would eventually happen. You just didn't know when it was going to be. Jonathan Klinsman makes his MLS and LA Galaxy debut. Uh, he starts in goal. This is going to be one of those times where you say something and it's not going to make sense if you try to talk about this six months from now or a year from now or if you're listening to this podcast in 2021 because you are stuck um, maybe on a desert island and you have nothing else to listen to. Um, you're going to hear us say that Jonathan Klinsman had a very, very solid game for his LA Galaxy debut um, in goal, made seven saves in his LA Galaxy. You shouldn't have to do that to a 23-year-old goalkeeper is make him make seven saves in his debut, but he did, and he gave up four goals. Um, so that's it's it's tough and unless you watch the game unless you saw it you can't really reconcile that and say yeah that makes sense and there's no reason why he shouldn't start the next game on Sunday um he did nothing in my opinion to sort of make that not happen um because you've already destroyed David Bingham he's dead um you've killed him because Jonathan Klinsman came out now uh there is no more David Bingham he's gone um it is just Jonathan Klinsman because you basically said you're not good enough, and we're going to start the 23-year-old. In my opinion, that's what happened. The confidence is 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 toast. I, I, I see it a little bit differently. I feel like uh, Monty Python, not quite dead yet. So, you know, Bingham's maybe not quite dead yet. Uh, and the reason for that is because it was a midweek game. They have a Sunday game coming up. Maybe this could be framed as we're giving you some rest, giving the young guy a shot. Um, it was interesting yesterday that some of the narrative in the post-game discussion was, you know, about the Jonathan Klingsman debut and, you know, how well he played. And and I found that a little bit odd because the team lost 4-0. So to make, uh, you know, to highlight uh, the goalkeeper in a 4-0 loss just seemed a little bit odd. But you're right. He made seven saves and he looked good at moments. To me, the first goal, I think he, he wears, you know, partial responsibility on that because it was a, a, lot, a flood a lot clearance. Of yeah. Just say it. Yeah, it's it was a, a flood that, clearance. That goal doesn't happen but, without that flood clearance. Yes, the the defense didn't help him, but at the same time, if he makes uh, a different outlet pass or he has a better clearance, then you're right, it doesn't happen. So so he does wear responsibility for that. But the other goals, you know, GBS mentioned it, that they weren't really his fault, that it's still, uh, you know, he still had a great game, made some great saves. Dan Stairs mentioned it in the postgame, that he made a great save on, I believe it was the third goal, where he made the initial save, and then uh, they went, ended up burying it afterward, but he did what he was supposed to do in the first time around. So so you're right. He did have a good game, and they still lost 4-0. So it seems counterintuitive to say it out loud. Uh, I, I Because of the 4-0 loss, it left just such a, 
a nasty taste in my mouth and the way they played. I, I didn't really see that many positives. But when you go back, you look at the stats and you see what he was able to do and how the coach talked about him, how uh, the captain talked about him. Uh, you see the writing on the wall that he, he could be the goalkeeper for the future, which is a good thing. So, uh, you know, on a day's rest after sleeping on, I could see the Jonathan Klingsman being the positive that you take away from this game. Uh, I, I could see him starting on Sunday. So we'll see if GBS feels like this was just if he did tell Bingham that this is he framed it not to break his confidence to say, you know, we're giving you some rest. You're going to get back in there when you get another chance. It is hard to, to tell the starting goalkeeper. This guy just let in four goals and we're still going to start him ahead of you. That's a tough message to say. But, you know, given the amount of saves that he made, uh, and I don't like playing the what if game, but, you know, maybe the way Bingham was playing before, maybe they let in, you know, six or seven if Bingham's on the field uh, as opposed to what Klingsman was able, able to bring him. So, we, you know, we'll never know. We, won't, we can't play that game. Uh, but with the amount of saves that he made, I think he makes a case to get another opportunity to start, if not Sunday, at least, you know, later on with a compacted schedule this season. Uh, I, I liked how you said you we can't play that game, but you fully played that game right before you played that game. So I just I just <laughs> this is, I was it's just, what I, I do. Was, I was paying attention. It's what I okay. do. Yeah, but still right. Ride that fence. Ride that fence. Um, yep. I would like to point out and you mentioned this and I thought it was interesting because I, I've been doing this for a while um, and I've I get used to this and, and it's not used to the losing, but it's used to the awkward press conferences. And, and you mentioned it was awkward and I didn't even really think about it. But yeah, it was. It was super awkward. Um, GBS's mannerisms, uh, you know, Dan Starr is coming in. The only two people to talk, by the way, you got the captain and you got GBS. Uh, usually there would be two or three other um, players that would talk. Now, I know Sasha Kleshen was supposed to be one of the people who was going to talk and he was getting treatment. And that's one of the reasons he didn't. And you would expect that a vet like Sasha would come out and talk. And as a matter of fact, we tried to get Sasha for this show tonight. So that way we could talk to him because quite honestly, uh, one of the few people I think on the team right now who could tell us what is going on without throwing everybody under the bus and without, you know, sort of getting frustrated. Sasha understands how to explain that stuff. So we tried to get him on um, and that didn't work. Uh, we requested Dennis to close um, that didn't work. Um, so, you know, we tried to, to fill the docket here with just not me and Eric yelling and screaming. Um, and, you know, I sort of told the club as well. I said, you know, you have a chance to, to sort of change the narrative just a little bit or at least add to the narrative by having somebody come on and talk with us tonight because otherwise it's going to be 60 minutes of you guys getting grilled and you deserve to get grilled um, for it. So, um, you know, it was one of those things. We, we wanted to open it up. We wanted to give them a chance and it didn't happen. So we'll try again and we'll, we'll go again. Um, but you were talking about this awkward press conference and it wasn't awkward for me because I've, I've been in this before. But I remember going to this stuff, and it's awkward whenever you're in a locker room after a loss like this. Uh, nobody's talking. It's quiet, right? You have, uh, you have GBS who doesn't necessarily want to answer questions. And if you, I asked the, the, I don't think it was the first question of GBS. Maybe it was the first question. I don't think, no, I didn't. I was like no. three or four down for, for mm -hmm. GBS. And he was very short with all the answers until I think he got to me, and then he had a long answer. And so one of the things you have to do is you have to keep asking questions. And I don't like the reporters who talk about stuff whenever it's for nothing going to a positive. Um, there's times to ask about positives. Like the six, three loss was a time to talk about positive. You scored yeah. three goals. There were positives to take away from that. Um, there was nothing positive from this. And Dan stairs was like, no, I can't really see. I mean, yeah, Klinsman did a great job and that's something, but that's not the question to ask here. Uh, if this had been a real press conference with us in the room, my follow-up question to was the team quitting on you? And I get, wanted to give GBS a chance to say it because he said it before and he said, no, they're not. They're frustrated. It's like, okay, cool. But my follow-up question would have been is, do you still think you're the right person for this job? Um, you know, there has to be 
it's not pressure. It's trying to figure out what they're thinking. And it's very difficult with GBS to find out what he's thinking a lot, especially in English. And that's not his fault. It's just he's not as expressive in English as he is in Spanish. And so you sort of have to ask him questions and they need to be pointed. I mean, you talked about Scott French um, last week asking, is this the lowest point, right? There was no, yeah. dis- you know, Scott's not was, trying to be mean. No, but he also picked the wrong week because uh, they, they, they had a lower point that they can even go. So this week I felt uh, even though the score wasn't as high, uh, the, the goal differential was higher. And I think this was a lower point in the galaxy now set at an all time low, but you're right. It is, it was awkward. And, you know, as a member of the press, uh, you know, it, it, with all my experience that I have going to these games, the, the first time we went, right. it was a pretty quick process. You, you've mentioned it, that it's a quick process after the game, they come right on and, and it's, you know, they handle their business, answer those questions and you keep moving. And I had a similar experience my first time out the loss against Portland long pause again, uh, after the break, seems like maybe there were some discussions going on in the locker room. Uh, body language with Guillermo just didn't didn't look quite right. And then this one, I think it was an even longer pause between the moment uh, after the game. And then you saw how he came out and the, the way he spoke. Uh, one of the most interesting ones to me was when the question uh, came up about Chicharito on, you know, did he, was there an injury concern? He didn't even let the reporter finish the question. He said, that was my decision. I. It's almost like he he really wanted to slam that home. That, that it was his decision. It wasn't because of injury concern. It wasn't because of rest. He said it was my decision uh, to bring more offense, to bring in Efrain Alvarez. So you, you, you see you those take things. Off, wait, yeah. you, you take off your yeah, most I expensive know. player, right? And to, to get to that, that is the, the, supposed to be the offense to bring in Efrain Alvarez, who is completely outmatched in that Major League Soccer. And I think we've seen that this year. Um, that's the decision you make. I don't disagree with him because I don't know how much, uh, what other things you're going to do in terms of with that lineup and what he has done in the past. It's a, it's a sub that I sit there and say, okay, I understand it um, from his mind. It's not a sub I necessarily understand from my mind. I understand it from the GBS mind. Um, but he wanted to, and you're right, he pointed to this. Let's get to the, I want to finish the lineup because we, we got sidetracked with Klinsman, which was one of the tr- one of the changes. Yeah. The other tra- change here is that Yoni Gonzalez started at, um, at up at striker, basically the second striker with Chicharito. This was a 4-4-2 formation. It lined up that way with Kitchen out on the right, or excuse me, with Leggett out on the right, Kitchen and Kleshen in the middle, and Pavone on the left, and then Chicharito. And Gonzalez top is the two. They were playing a two striker system, which is something that I have said and asked for on this show many times. Um, and when I saw it, and when I saw it after about five minutes, I said, "Oh, not with click, not with Kitchen and Kleshton in there." And th- you know, this is the whole thing: is that it, it almost felt like me to me, Eric. Somebody said, "Hey, GBS, you need to try a four four two And he was like, "Okay, I'll try it." Because and, and this was pointed out in our Discord as well is. Guillermo knows that Kitchen and Kleshen are not the speediest guys to cover a lot of ground in the center. And then he helped them zero by not making Leggett and Pavone pinch in at all. Um, it was really more of a 4-2-4 formation, which I, you know, people said on Twitter, and I agreed with 100%. Leggett and Pavone were pegged on the top line with Chicharito and Gonzalez. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't leave a, a, a lot of room there. And you're right. The We did want to see, and we were clamoring for a 4-4-2 last week and talking about how that puts Chicharito in a better position. But then when you look at the opponent, the type of – the way that 
uh, Almeida has San Jose playing where they're constantly chasing, uh, you know, this this isn't the game where you, you try that out. This is the game where GBS is success, where you sit and you have your, your defenders defend and then you counterattack. This is where that, that strategy works against a team like San Jose. The, trying the 4-4-2 is maybe picking your moment with a different opponent. But it was exciting at the beginning of the game. One of the first things I noticed, noticed was the formation and the two forwards. I noticed this. Uh, the last game, he brought in Gonzalez as a forward, and I thought, well, is he going to use him as a forward, or you know, are we bringing him in for the wing? So to see him utilizing him as a forward, you know, shows that he knows that you know there's a weakness up there. They need to put uh, a, another attacker, which they don't have, and so he's trying to play him and fix put that uh, square peg in the round hole. So uh, that was one of those things I didn't even notice that Klingsman got the start because I was so excited about the the 4-4-2. But you're right, it didn't work. I just hope that he doesn't look at this and say, it didn't work in these first 25 minutes. I'm never going to revisit it. Uh, because you're right, with right. with Kleshin and Kitchen in the middle, that's not that's not the personnel that it's going to work with. You know, that with Kletchen and, and, and Kitchen in there, that's where you need your five midfielders to make up for having them, they're they're not going to be your your playmakers. They're not going to be pulling the strings. And, and quite frankly, when you have those two players flanking your midfield, yeah, it's no wonder that you that you give up four goals and you you couldn't create a single goal. Well, uh, let's get tactical for a second. And I, I don't normally really love to dig into this stuff, but this is this is one of those basic things. It's one of the things that was huge in the in the U.S. men's national team uh, that we've talked about, you know, over and over the years. They they talk about the empty bucket, right? The empty bucket is the most feared consequence of a bad four four two combination. And what the empty bucket means is uh, the midfielders on the outside. It's Pavone and Leggett. Um, what it means is that they don't pinch in, and usually it means that they're moving forward and not coming back to help the midfield. And so what you have is Chicharito and Gonzalez stretching the field. You have Jet and Pavone that are going up to meet Chicharito and Gonzalez. And there's this giant empty bucket right in the center where Kitchen and Kleshin have to either fill the space, but they have to fill it in a way that's smart against counterattacks that that defends well through the center of the field. And what you had here again was Lejet pressing up high. You had Pavone pressing up high. And usually what happens is one of those outside uh, wings will press forward while the other one might hold back a little bit and slide into the midfield. And what happens is you get three midfielders all of a sudden that slide across and you can cover and make up for the three attackers that you're sending forward. And then sometimes you can have one of those, one of the central midfielders jump in a little bit as well. They can get into the attack as well. We saw this be successful in this game and it was only once, but there was a, there was a time at the beginning of the game, they were in a four, four, two and there were four there were. Yeah. And there were four people in that box. And you're like, yes, that's what it's supposed to be. We talk about giving Chicharito options. He now gets to move off of two or three people, and there are other decoys, and you're putting pressure on the defense. What happens in that? Galaxy turn the ball over, and it goes the other way. Um, and yeah. all of a sudden, it yeah, goes I the other way, and there's, and there's nobody there. And that started with with a question, uh, like a give and go with Pavone and, and springing him loose, and then Gonzalez and Chicharito. They were all up there waiting, and then it just ended up they, they turned it over. So uh, you have to promise me that you're not going to laugh. So when, when yes. you talk about the empty bucket, don't laugh. Yes. And I know I'm probably going to get grilled yes. for this. But when Cosmo yes. SC was going over those tactics, and again, oh, it's a beautiful thing about uh-huh. pro clubs and FIFA. Yes. Everyone is one individual player, so it's not the computer doing the work. The individuals have to do the work, and we switch to an empty bucket. I know it sounds crazy. I know it's FIFA. I know it's pro clubs. But you're right. When those wingers, you, you someone has to commit to tracking back. Pavone and Leggett are not going to play defense. Chicharito and Gonzalez are not going to play defense. So you're now, you're right. You had a 4-2-4, and that leaves you completely exposed. Those 
those wings need to commit to go back and fill the bucket and help out there. So it worked for Cosmo SC, but it did not work for the LA Galaxy uh, in this week. Yeah. Don't don't have an empty bucket. I was I shook my head and I was very disappointed. (laughs) Um, So, no, I mean, but pinch in, too. Here's the thing is every time I say that Pavone doesn't work back, somebody will point out they're like he did on this play. And I'm like, congratulations. One play where Pavone plays defense. And by the way, there's people calling for Pavone to play no defense and for him to stay up and try to be sprung on the counterattack more. I'm sure. But you're you're limiting the number of people. Yeah. But I, I also wouldn't mind switching Gonzalez and Pavone. Put Pavone up there as a tandem with Chicharito and then have Gonzalez play on the wing if he's not going to be committed to playing defense. And you're right. They're right to to point out that Pavone does hustle back. Those are hustle plays. It's not a consistent commitment to defense, but he does hustle and he does uh, make a lot of recovery. So yeah, credit him for that, but he doesn't consistently contribute on the defensive side, but also nor should he. That's not his job. His job is to, to be a member of the attack and to score goals. Yeah, and and none of that happened on this. I mean, you also have to look at Araujo and Insua on this as well. <sighs> People want to know. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I was talking. I was talking in our group text the, this morning, and we were going back and forth. There was a whole bunch of stuff we were sort of arguing about, but um, we were talking about you know Araujo and Insua, and it might have been in Discord as well. I don't know. I was talking with like a zillion people this morning because everybody was real fired up, um, which I can understand. Uh, Araujo and Insua. If you want to stop bleeding four goals, and by the way, the LA Galaxy's minus 13 goal differential is the second worst they've ever had in history. If the season ended right now, they would finish with the second worst in history. Only 2007 was worse. Um, Or excuse me, 2017 was worse. Um, And uh, so if you want to stop bleeding goals, I have a a way that you can can stop bleeding goals. You'll probably only lose the game 1-0. It's probably what will end up happening is tell Araujo and Insua to stay home. Actually have four, four defenders back there. All right. And and GBS does that his system doesn't work. And what ha- what we see in no. this game, by the way, is after 25 minutes, Eric, what happened? It's it's <laughs> what what happened is they they started pushing forward and left them exposed on, on the counter and and, and they, they got there. So uh, the other thing, if you ask Araujo and, and Insua to stay home, then who else who else is going to create those crosses and, and create the attack? Right. I think that's that's all part of it. You need them to push forward and to overlap, but that's the key word. It's overlap. It's not legit and Araujo both move up together or Pavone and Insua both move up together, which is where they find them. That's the problem. It's not. It's, it doesn't become an overlap. It becomes, uh, you know, eight, eight, six players moving forward and then just uh, stares into Pew there, you know, as a two-man backline by themselves. That That's oftentimes what ends up happening. Yeah, and by the way, they're getting and they didn't have good games. I'm not going to say the Steris and Depew uh, no. played well. Um, they they didn't. Um, and Should there I, be a I don't think that they there? would tell you. Uh, who else? I giving mean, up what, ten goals in two go? games. But where else know, are you going to go? Do you give Pipo another chance? Well, no. If you Why? pull, if, we, we, if Pipo we, was out on the field, you'd make a switch. Yeah, but he's not. And and you played that game already. We see that's the thing. We've seen most of these things um, here. You know, did the but Galaxy it's, go? It's I, a, the, you're gonna have to look outside the galaxy in order to, to to do anything. You play. People are talking about playing a three-man back line. I don't know how that works because they've been bleeding goals yeah. with you know. Well, actually, if they played a three-man back line, they'd have one more defender back there than they normally have, which is usually just <laughs> Depew and Sarah. Commit to staying uh, home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If they commit to staying home, which which they don't. I mean, the big problem here is, and in the four-four-two, and after 25 minutes, they switched out of it, and it was done. And it's never, it never came back. And then, <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever see it again with the way GBS yeah. sort of switched That's out of it. They were, they were right to switch out of it. 
They were absolutely 100% right. They were getting killed down the middle of the field. And you're asking Kitchen and Kluschen to cover too much ground if you're not going to have Legette and Pavone play in there. Um, you brought Legette inside. You took Yanni Gonzalez back to that right side. Um, and now you had more of the, you know, four two, three, one that, you know, or the four, five, one, however you really want to look at it. Um, but you had, you had more of the standard sort of, uh, defensive format or offensive, the standard formation we've seen the LA galaxy in. Um, and so, uh, and they got better and they played better, uh, which is something that you should sort of also take is that this LA galaxy team, after they switched formations, put a lot more pressure on San Jose, did a better job. Was it good enough? Not even close. But through that entire, basically, 25 minutes up to the 44th minute, whenever San Jose finally scored, the LA Galaxy were surviving, and they were starting to build some momentum into that. So that 44th minute goal, and it started with the flub clearance from Klinsman. Um, Kleschen couldn't get to the ball. The ball eventually got kicked out to the right-hand side. Um, you know, Pete and Steras are looking at that cross as it comes across, because uh, it was sort of put in from that right-hand side. So... You would expect that Araujo would be back there somewhere, except that he had been pressing up for the distribution. And because he pressed up, he was nowhere to be found. Then Perry K Kitchen ends up being your back post defense. If Perry Kitchen is your back post defense on a cross deep into the box, the game is already over. Um, and you saw that. And it was a ball that came down and he barely got his head to it. And uh, it was a good pass to the top of the box. And Steris and Depew got sucked inside. And there's, there's no pressure there. Um, I would point out that if everybody's in the correct position for that, uh, Lima, who ended up scoring that first goal, um, is actually probably Kitchen's mark because he's back in behind the line. He's sitting back, and so Kitchen, yeah. it's easier for Kitchen to move that direction than Depew and Steris, but he's not. He's over in the right-hand side of the box. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a total breakdown, but it's individuals, Eric. This is not a team, and you heard Joe Totino talking yes. about it. You didn't because I was I was listening to the, uh, to the broadcast. You, <laughs> well, you were afterward. at the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you did, um, and lots of people have. But you, you look at this. This is this is individuals. Um, I saw in the chat chat room, and I don't remember who said it, and I don't want to call you out either because I totally disagree with you. Um, so, but you said you know you can't depend on a team like this that's lazy. This team is not lazy. They are exhausted at the end of the game, but they're running for the wrong reasons with like with no plan whatsoever. So yeah. they're using but, all this energy to do absolutely nothing. That that's where. It's worse because if this team were lazy, that that'd be an excuse. The fact that they're not lazy makes it worse because then you're running, you know, you're, you're like you said, you're running around effortlessly, effortlessly. And, and it's, it's not, it's not happening for you. You mentioned if Perry kitchen is your last line of defense, the game is over. Well, conversely, I mentioned this in my player, player grades. I thought Perry kitchen had a decent game, but if Perry kitchen is your playmaker, if he's your number 10, if he's the one who's pulling the strings to make things happen, conversely, the game is also over because he's not the guy who should be your playmaker. Uh, that's not the guy who, who you're going to build your offense through and is going to be the one springing attack. So you're right. He shouldn't be the last guy on defense, but he also shouldn't be the, that pivot person. He does well in that bulldog role, that kind of foe stopper role. That's where he works when, you know, unfortunately, question seems to want to play that same type of position. So it's a disaster when you put them both together. So, yeah, it, the, I don't think they're lazy. I agree with that. And you see the same things, the calls for Chicharito. He's out of shape. He's lazy. You know, the out of shape thing, you know, I, I – you know, I think there may be a little bit of validity to that, but you know, who's to tell, you know, with, with everything that's been going on this year, but I don't think he's lazy. Uh, I, I see him making runs. I see him making the effort, but on that same token, maybe that's worse. If this is the best that we can get for Chicharito, that's a really bad sign. And, and let's start, let's focus on Chicharito a little bit because, um, I've been on the camp of wait and see, let's see how everything plays out. Let's see where we're going. 
you know, it's it's not too early to say this is going to be a giant bust. And for people who have been saying it all along, congratulations, you guessed correctly because you yeah. guessed. Take your victory lap. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it's like good job. Um, but at the same time, what you're seeing is a frustration. And, and Guillermo talked about it more than anything because I asked if the team quit. He has he has called out the team before for quitting, and I'm like, all right, do you think the team quit? I didn't think they quit. I wanted to hear what he had to say. Um, because he likes to, he has said that, and he has used that as motivation, especially after the LAFC game. Um, so I wanted to hear it. It was interesting to see, hear him say frustration, and for me, that's what I see with Chicharito. Um, but I saw one good move from Chicharito the entire game, um, and he got one ball and was able to run downhill. He got it. He turned quickly. He moved, you know, quickly, and he was looking for distribution and looking for a pass. It was great. It's exactly what I want to see him do like 30 times a game. Um, but that's not happening. He's not getting those 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 touches. Um, and yeah, some of it's on him. Some of it's on Sebastian Legette, who seems to be like convinced that his spot is also right around where Chicharito's is. Um, yeah. You know, some of it is is Gonzalez, um, who's uh, clearly just not a hundred percent there yet. And I wouldn't expect him to be, but yeah. I am expecting him to be in the next you know three or four games a lot better than he has been. It's also been a couple of weeks. I think I'm ready to start seeing a little bit more from him. I, I was a little bit disappointed with his performance uh, with his short spells when he came off, off the bench. I was expecting some physicality. I was expecting, you know, the nickname is Speedy. I'm not seeing that speed uh, with him, and I'm not seeing the physicality. I'm seeing someone who likes to go to ground a little a little, little too easily. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's about time we, we start to see uh, these developments happen. And then and then back to Chicharito. Uh, you're right. He does – when when he gets those passes, I think he does really well receiving them and and holding up the play. The only thing is he he receives those passes on the outside of the eighteen near the corner flag, or he checks in uh, near the center circle. And what's he going to do? Yeah, he can hold the ball there, but he's not going to make a move. He's not going to speed past anyone. So that's not where you want him holding the ball. You want him in a different position. You want to have him hold it up in the box. And it just seems like they can't get the ball to him where he's most deadly. They're, they're feeding him the ball in, in all the wrong positions. So it's not 100% on him, but at the same time, he's the one running to those positions uh, to, to get that service. So he's not putting himself in the right position either. Uh, you know, it was, it was interesting hearing Kobe Jones and, and Joe Titino um, uh, talk about the, the team. They were being honest with their assessment during the game, and I, I agree with them. Um, you know, they, they talked about it and I know that the supporters groups, especially on the, uh, on the North side, um, uh, have sort of put out a statement and I know a lot of galaxy fans have, have gone with that. And, you know, um, you know, there, it's, it's basically talking about, uh, what Joe Totino said. And I think it's interesting that the fans have captured a quote from Joe Totino from a guy who works for the LA galaxy, but who also has seen every LA galaxy team play since its inception and has been part of that. Uh, I think he was the stadium announcer for the first year, actually. So he wasn't actually yeah. the play-by-play guy. Um, so he was that, but, but after that, it, yeah, he's, he's been the play-by-play guy for a very long, he's seen it all, Eric. And so for him to come in there and say, you know, this isn't good enough. They're not, it, it you know, they, it looks like they're not playing for the badge or, or and I'll find the, the exact quote again. Um, but, he, that means something when he says that you saw um, you saw, you know, Carlos Ruiz put out uh, a little statement mm-hmm. saying, you know, that they're there, that this this isn't good enough. The effort isn't good enough. And he hopes that there's better times ahead for the club. You're talking about guys who knows what it means to play for this badge. And we've talked about this is who on this team is that champion? Who is who on the team is that guy who knows how to win, who knows what it means to be an L.A. Galaxy player? Um, because it used to be filled with guys 
who knew what it meant to be an LA Galaxy player. You had Landon Donovan, you had Mike McGee, um, you know, you had Alan Gordon was a guy who knew what it meant to be an LA Galaxy player. Uh, you know, all those guys. Who is that on this team? And it's so far removed now from a from a an MLS Cup. Uh, 2014 was a long time ago. I actually have a calendar that I keep track of um, with all the days. Yeah. Um, it's been since I, since the last one. I think we're we're close to like 1,500 or or no more than that. I think it's like 2,000. Um, 2,000 yeah. days you now two, where you you've been. Many, uh, you have too many countdowns on on your on your counter there. But I think the, you're no, right. I, you look at this roster and who you know who who are the who are the veteran players. And the two names that stand out are, are Sebastian Legit and Daniel Stairs. And I think when you talk about the players who know what it means, and this is with, with no disrespect to Legit or Stairs, but you need to have the right combination of elite playing level and also the swagger and confidence and understanding what it means. And I, I don't think I think while someone like Dan Stairs knows what it means, uh, you know, knows how to say the right things, knows how to captain the team, he just, you know, he maybe doesn't have that that elite level confidence and, 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 and swagger that you need kind of like a, like a yell Van Dam style, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little nasty because I know that this means a little something extra against San Jose. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't see that with anyone on this roster. So, so it's right to yeah. make that statement. And you go back to what the statement that Victoria block and all the supporters groups, um, you know, it was a little harsh, but I think they were fair with their criticism as well. And, uh, you know, how they've been supporting the club since the beginning and, uh, you know, and how it's unacceptable to them and they, they expect more and you have to get credit for them because, you know, fans are not allowed at the stadium, but the fans are at the stadium outside. They're playing the drums. They're going there with scarves. They're singing outside the stadium before the game. They're singing outside the stadium after the game. They're, they are there to show support. They bleed the blue, white, and gold for this club. And so if they're going to put that effort, they're going to be the ones who are representing this club. And if it's unacceptable to them, they're right to call it out. So, you know, respect to them for for working together to release that statement because I think that this is the low point of the season and, and something needs to change. Yeah, by the way, um, everybody always, like, tries to gatekeep how people protest these things. Um, and I don't. I don't yeah. gatekeep that. I actually, as long as you're not physically hurting anybody and really emotionally, don't be like, you know, attacking people. I don't care what you do, but you have every right to do whatever you think yeah. you need to do in order to have your voice hurt. So if you don't want to renew your season tickets, don't renew your season tickets. You don't want to buy any more merch, don't buy a merch. You want to write a protest song and sing it out front, you know, for Chris Klein whenever he's coming in and out of the thing. You can do that as well. Um, all of those things are acceptable and reasonable and it doesn't make you any less of a fan to show that you know like people are like well you should never boo your team why not yeah. i'm i'm not one of those people if you're disappointed yeah. with all of the time and money and effort that you're putting into something you have every right in my opinion to boo a team um so all that stuff is is fine by the way the the total number for as of right now because uh, the last time the LA Galaxy won MLS Cup was December 7th, 2014, is 2,139 days since then. Um, and and I know on the Riot Squad cast, I was talking to Chris uh, earlier today, and he was he was informing me that on June 15th, 2021, the LA Galaxy will have gone longer than at any point in their history without winning an MLS Cup. And that that previous period was 1996 to 2002. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, so from the 2014 15th, 2021 to 2020. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. 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 Th absolutely. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, um, by the way, uh, the commercial underground in our chat says, Eric, can you make a disappointed TikTok video? Can you do disappointed on TikTok? Is that a, is that an emotional range I've, or loud on, on the platform? I, I, I have some options. 
I just, uh, I also, you know, I, I have that fine line because do I want, do people want a depressed, uh, a disappointed TikTok? They, they definitely exist. It's definitely a thing. Uh, there's a way to make them. So, you know, <laughs> there, there are options. I was going to say, can I'll you do the, the chart? The Charlie Brown one from Arrested Development, where you're just walking and it's just raining on you the whole time. I would, yeah. I would, I would take that. That one, that one would be a good. Take one. some editing um, software. So, do you, do you, do you have anything else about this particular game, or can can we move on? Um, because I, I'm, I, it's not something. This is, hold on before before I even get to that. Do not sit here and <laughs> we say you have more. Yeah, yeah, no, there is just a little bit. Is that players don't have a right to say you throw this away and you move on. Not this game, not this time. This has to stick with them for the rest of the season. If they don't want this to be a repeat of everything that they've done so far, this game has to annoy them. Um, this game needs to be thought of next year uh, whenever the season starts. This game needs to go on and on and on. And it's not because it was the worst game of the year. I think the LAFC loss in the bubble was was way worse, but it was also the bubble. So like there's there's ways to sort of talk your way out of that and it's you, you know, yeah. you can do that. But having said that, that team that lost to LAFC 6 to 2 is the same team that just lost to their original rival, um San Jose 4 to nothing. Um and I'm not sure which is worse. They're both really bad, but those games need to stick in your minds. There's no turning the page. Same with the fans. Um one of the things I got so much crap for uh, was having, I, in fact, somebody like kind of almost wanted to beat me up. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, was having the wooden spoon in the studio uh, whenever we had it in there. And somebody said, why, you know, why do you keep showing that thing? And I said, I want everybody to remember what happens when you fail in Major League Soccer. It's that trophy. It's that wooden spoon. And if it gets put on somebody's mantle and it doesn't get shown all the time, then you forget what happens. And right now, it seems like the LA Galaxy have a front office who have forgotten what the consequences of putting together a bad team, um, I think with bad tactics, uh, and a manager that seems to be losing you know, the trust of the team. When you have all that stuff go wrong, this is what happens. And it happened in 2017, and it'll happen again if you keep letting. So, yeah, that's, that's, now I'm ready to turn the page. I can turn the page. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> I, I can still <laughs> no. keep going, but you, you're right to that point where I agree with the wooden spoon needed to be there. At, you know, it's, I sat in front of it every episode it hung over my shoulder like an albatross, but you're right. It's a constant reminder that things need to change and things need to get better back to this game. I think this game is arguably, you know, one of their worst game of this, of the season. They, they, I don't, you know, you look at the possession, you look at the, all the stats, they didn't, there wasn't any category. Even the 6-2 loss, you could at least say there were two goals, you know, even though they're a penalty and an own goal. You can still say, well, they made they forced the issue. This one, they didn't force any issue. Nothing nothing happened. So there's an argument that this was the worst game. But if they have this performance earlier in the year, they have this performance in the bubble, it's different. This is now seventh game without a win, sixth loss in a row. This is, I, I like to use this term a lot, persistent infringement. You know, one loss, yeah. two loss, it's okay We'll bounce back. This is this is it. We're going to bounce back. We've lost three times. We've lost four times. Okay, time to bounce back. We've lost five times. Okay, this is the game where we turn it around. And you don't see that. You you see, um, you know, I was talking with with someone at the stadium as we were watching GBS walking out to the field alone, head down, hands in his pockets. He looked like a defeated man before the game started. You know, I'm, I, that's not to say your body language needs to be up and, and you need to be jumping up and down and being Ted Lasso uh, every step of the way. But at the same time, he—he, he, you—you could tell that he just—you didn't feel it. You didn't see that 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 
that uh, we're going to bounce back. This is the time to make things right. We've lost five in a row. Let's turn it around. You don't see that. And I think that's where this becomes a low point of the season because this isn't a one-off. This is now the sixth time in a row that this has happened. And, and that's, that's where it becomes unacceptable, when this becomes normal. Two things that I'll take from, uh, from what you just talked about. Number one is the LA Galaxy have their second longest losing streak um, in a single season with the six games. They tie 2007, which also had a six-game losing streak. Um, that in 2007, they went winless in eight, just in case you're sort of tracking. I haven't seen the winless column and whether or not that gets worse. I just tracked this and then sort of saw where it went. <laughs> um, and then uh, the worst ever was seven losses. So you're one away from that, from tying that in 2006. Uh, I would like to point out that if you go through the LA Galaxy's 25-year history, I picked the longest losing streak in each of those times. And if you look from basically when Bruce Arena came on in 2008, end of 2008, and then um, through 2009 all the way to 2016, uh, the LA Galaxy, the most they ever lost under Bruce Arena, consecutive games. Yes, Eric, the most they ever lost in consecutive games. Everybody in the chat room gets to guess too. Um, so what? So you think about it, and I'm going to tell you my when second thing, and then we're going to come back. Okay? So so think about it. it. The most consecutive losses that Bruce Arena ever had from basically 2008 all the way through to 2016. Okay, everybody think about it. Make your guess. Um, I have my Here's the, my I'm second point. In. Okay, here's my, here's my, here's my, second, uh, my second point. Uh, and this one is the bright spot in an otherwise dark and dim uh, podcast is uh, breaking news that Ted Lasso renewed for season three. It's three. We get not only is season two coming back, Eric, but they're going another season, season three. So that is where we sit right now. <laughs> It was a hit. All right, chat room starting to yeah. uh, to 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 fill up with the with the guesses. I see a three. I see a two. I see a four. Joe thinks that Bruce Arena lost four games in a row. Yeah. Oh, RC I, thinks it too. Dylan is going with four. Okay, how many? How many hammer? Well, you 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 gave some hints there. Ted Lasso season yeah. three. I think it's three. I think they've lost two in a row, and I think they maybe once or twice lost three in a row. I don't think they've lost four in a row or lost four in a row under Bruce. Uh, my answer is three. Locking it in. Final answer for the million. Final answer. Final answer. Uh, the banker's going to give you a call. Um, uh, three is correct answer. Good job. Uh, Thank you. And it only happened once. Only once. Otherwise, it was two, 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 one in 2011. Three in 2012. They lost three in a row. Still won an MLS <laughs> Cup. Um, two in 13. One in 14. So 11 and 14 both had one was the longest time they'd never lost consecutive wow. games which is just amazing that's incredible uh two and 15 and two and 16 that's what you have right there so anyway those are the the things and it gives us a good chance to sort of you know slide into this other thing uh i will give dan Starris props for coming out and talking he had the captain's armband he he answered the bell um yes. he doesn't know what's wrong with this team i don't think gbs knows what what's wrong with this team um which is scary and and a little bit crazy so uh you know we sort of go What's wrong with the LA Galaxy? We we talked about GBS a little bit. I said that I think they're tactically inept under under Gamer Barishkoloto. If I didn't use those exact words, I'll say it just like I just did. They're tactically inept. Uh, Dennis DeClosa is on the hot seat as well. Um, he has put this team together. Chris Klein, Dan Beckerman, president of AEG, right? Um, these are things, these are people who are responsible for how this team looks on the field. And no matter what you say, you have to understand that the front office and everything that it does, so no matter what sort of business side of things in the front office happens, it all affects what happens on the field. So in my mind, it's impossible to separate the front office 
from what's on the field because that's all working towards one goal. I, if you work for the LA Galaxy Foundation, by the way, the, the charitable arm of the LA Galaxy, you're exempt from, from this criticism because you're doing wonderful work and say. keep it up. <laughs> you, you thought Imagine I was going to throw the charity under the bus? They need to shut the foundation down. No more Earth Day celebration. That's too far, Guessman. Too far. That's 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 too far. Yeah, not even not even I'm going uh, that far. So I mean, you know, let's start and listen. The show's going to be a little bit longer, and, and we kind of knew it was going to be a little bit longer. And even though we have very little notes on this, there's plenty to talk about. So we knew that. Uh, let's start with Gamer Bear Shigalotto. Does he stay or does he go? Has he has he 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 gone too far? Is there any way for him to recover for this era? Man, that's a tough question. I think. Um, is it what I think should happen or what I think is going to happen? Cause I think I mean, at you the can, end of the you season, can preface. Yeah, I'll preface. I think at, at the end, the, the six games left, six or seven games left. I don't think someone else is going to turn it around. I don't think Dom Kinnear is the answer. We we've seen that show before. Uh, so firing him now, I don't know what that does. I think letting him go at the end of the season, I think he's lost this team. I think he he's unable to motivate them. He's not, changing tactics. He's not making changes. I, I, I don't know that he's the right guy for the job at this point. And this is someone who has a lot of pedigree, was able to do a lot of great things. Maybe it's a symptom and we're going to go into other people. He he didn't get the ingredients uh, that he wanted to cook with. Maybe it's that. And maybe we didn't get to see. And you see with the type of players, you know, he played the 4-4-2, but he had, he had Perry Kitchen and Sasha Kluschen as his options in the midfield. So maybe that 4-4-2 could have worked, but he didn't have the ingredients uh, to make it work. So maybe it's not all on him, but I think when you lose this many games and you don't have the answers, you start to lose the locker room a little bit. And I think we're starting to see that maybe to no fault of his own, but I, I, I think that his time, his time is very close to being up. Uh, Mason and Ireland, uh, if you know them uh, on 710 ESPN, um, ha- are they still there? I haven't, I don't listen to like terrestrial radio they, almost at all anymore, but they, either, they were, but I know they have a fun game. Yeah, yeah, they have they have they have the 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 blame pie, right? The blame pie, yep. and I think the blame <laughs> pie is is the most important thing for us to do right now. You have four guys, and everybody's saying, "Hey, Jovan Karofsky should be in this as well." Here's the deal: Jovan Karofsky works for these guys. Okay, so you know you can sort of say that they sort of have to go with the staff and and the different thing. So if you had a blame pie and you have four people and it has to equal 100, percent okay, that makes it harder. Usually they have like three people, but we're going to go with four. Uh, four people on the blame pie. So Gamma Barish-Glotus, Dennis DeClosa, Klein, and Beckerman. Where do you put your percentages for the the blame pie? Would you like me to go first while you while you think yes, about please. it? Because I, I mean, I didn't think <laughs> about math. this either, I but I saw there would not be math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I was I was, you know, I'm, I'm sort of in there right now with where this team is. I think that you have to put and I would say 50 percent of this is on Guillermo Barrescoloto just because he's the coach. He's the one making the tactical suggestions. And this team has been uh, devoid of any sort of tactical inspiration or game plan since the beginning of the season. And probably, by the way, if you go back into the Zlatan time, they were also devoid of any game plan other than get it to Zlatan, which worked very well when you have Zlatan. Okay, I think we can all agree that that, that is a problem. So I'll put 50% there. I'll put 30% of this on Dennis DeClosa because he's the general manager. He's the guy who's supposed to be getting the correct players for Gamer Barish Galoto. Okay, so I am at, uh, what am I at, 70%? I already forgot. I should have I should have written it down. So 50, yeah, 50 and 50 20. Plus, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, did you say 20 or 30? Oh, 30? Okay, let's go with 30. 80. It's fine. So you're at 80. Uh, and so, so we're at 80. All right. Doesn't and I will left. go I will go 15% on Klein. 
Um, and I'll tell you why in a second. I'll do the last 5% is, is Dan Beckerman. Okay. Now, having put together my blame pie, I'm going to tell you these are the people that I think don't deserve to be with the LA Galaxy anymore. I think Gamer Barish Galoto doesn't deserve to be with the LA Galaxy anymore. I think he's shown, very much like you said, Eric, that he has not been able to keep this team engaged um, tactically smart, uh, strong, mentally strong. None of those things have happened under Gabriel Barrescoloto, and so I think he's gone. I think that Chris Klein, as one of the last facets of and the face of this organization, and you can talk about the reason I gave him so much, so much little, little percentage in this 15 compared to you know five to Beckerman is Klein doesn't make a lot of the soccer decisions anymore. Having said that, he hired Dennis DeClosa. Um, having said that, he's been around since Bruce Arena left, and he's in charge of making most of these decisions that have come down. And if the buck doesn't stop with the president of the club, then where does it stop? You can't hide from that. So Klein probably doesn't deserve to be with the LA Galaxy more. And Dan Beckerman, as president of AEG, he has run the Kings and the LA Galaxy into the ground since he's come into this. There's zero chance and zero way in my mind that he should survive this. Now, I left one person off, and I gave him 30% of the, of the blame, basically. Uh, with Dennis DeClosa. Dennis is the one sort of bright spot for me. I know he hasn't been perfect. I still believe in what Dennis DeClosa can do with a team and the right coach. And whether that's naive, that's fine. I'm just saying, if you're going to fire another coach, if you're going to clean house the way you, you need somebody to stay and transition, and I have more faith in Dennis DeClosa than I do in any of the other ones. All right, your blame pie. Blame pie. All right, going 40% GBS. Similar okay. to you, I think he's the biggest part of the blame because he's the one in charge. He's the one making a move regardless of uh, you know, what you have put in front of you. As the coach, it's your responsibility to, to get it going. I think um, 20 – let's say, let's say – I'll, I'll agree with you that – let me say – no, I'll change it up. I'll say 25% to DTK. Uh, I think um, I'm with you. Uh, he's a likable person. I think uh, he says the right things, but at the same time, this is his second year – multiple transfer windows, opportunities to bring players in, and he hasn't brought in the right uh, type of players. I think you look at this team right now, it's poorly constructed. They don't have the the on-field you know, talent to, to compete in MLS, and it shows in the standings, and it shows in this losing streak. And that's on DTK. It's his, his responsibility uh, you know, to bring to bring the right players in, and he hasn't done done that over the, the last couple of years. So what am I at? 40 40%, 65. 25%, yeah. I'm at 65. Yeah, 65. I'm going to go, and then I'm going to go 30% Chris Klein um, because, again, this is now, he's, how many lives does he have? You know, because how many coaches <laughs> yeah, has right. he gone through? How many How many general managers has he gone through? How many, uh, you know, ac- people has he put in a position where they're supposed to scout and bring in players? He's the one pulling those strings and making those calls. So I think at this point, after, you know, six years, of being away from an MLS cup and not competing uh, in in the playoffs and not having winning seasons and having the worst season under his watch. And now what is possibly the second worst season, or again, an even worse season under his watch. How many, how many chances is he going to keep getting? Uh, So I think, you know, 30%. And then I leave that, that last 5% uh, with Beckerman, just, just because he's, he's writing the checks, he's buying out players. He he's, Everything that, you know, you would want an owner to do or you would want someone who makes those, he's he's giving them the freedom. He's given Klein the freedom. He's brought in DD, DTK. He's, they're willing to spend money, but it just the, the the moves aren't right. And it's it hasn't been right. So I don't know that the blame is entirely on him. But on the same, to that same token, 
he's the one who's in charge of, of making, <laughs> putting the people in the right position. So he does need some of that blame, but I, I don't know, you know, are, are we really going to, to Dan Beckerman to make the soccer decisions that are going to turn this galaxy team around? No, See, we need, we need, we need daddy with a nice check checkbook. Right. No. And, and here's the thing, right. Is, is growing up and, and certainly covering the team under Tim Liewicki. Um, there was a person at AEG who was intimately involved with the soccer operations at the LA Galaxy. We knew that. Uh, Tim and Bruce would get together and they had plans and they had dreams and they knew what they wanted to do when they went out and did it. What you have right now from Dan Beckerman seems an almost arm's length sort of deal with the LA Galaxy, which is I'm just going to be up here. I'll sign checks and do that stuff. But, you know, I show up for press conferences. That's what it seems like. Um, and you can't say that you know you're putting in there and rc points out um by the way uh and and it's a good it's a correct criticism i think of us is that we're letting dan beckerman way too off the off the leash i'm not i told you who i would get rid of um for this for this thing and i think eric sort of you, you know might be there as well or, or at least close with me is that beckerman it's hard in, in organizations that are big the guys who are at the top the buck stops with them. It doesn't matter how much involvement they had. They allowed it to happen under their stuff. So my blame pie shows who I think is directly responsible for the faults of the team. Uh, my firing pie, which is not really a pie because you, you just, <laughs> I'm going to say you're gone. Everybody uh, has Becker. Pie. Yeah. Yeah. As, as he can have pie when he's on, when you're packing your, your desk on the way out, um, you know, is, is Dan Beckerman needs to go. He has failed in his, capacity with AEG to manage the LA Kings and the LA Galaxy. And I don't bring the Kings into this to talk about the LA Kings. It's because that's part of his job as well, is the LA Kings. And so you have to look at, it. if the Kings were really good, Eric, and then you would sit there and say, well, you're not going to get rid of them because he's done a good job with the LA Kings, but they haven't been good. Um, and the Galaxy but, haven't been good. But the parallels to the Kings and what they are trying to do, they are, you know, putting themselves in a low position, but they're acquiring a lot of youth, a lot of draft picks, and they, they, the future looks bright for the Kings, even though there are times low, the times are low right now, and hockey's a little bit different. There's, so you need that youth movement to happen. Uh, with, with the Galaxy, the youth movement of Ethan Zubak and Efren Alvarez and Julian Araujo, that's not going to get you MLS. That's not good enough. You need more than that. You want those pieces there, but it, it's a, di a different system. So... I, I don't. You're right. The the Kings have not been been great in in recent years, but they're setting themselves up similarly, trying to use youth and trying to build from the ground up, which it looks like what they tried to do with the Galaxy. But difference, you know, it's apples and oranges. You can't do the same right. thing for both both organizations. Right, right. It was fun. Uh, Bob, by the way, says, "Man, so much math on this show." Um, the chat room's going <laughs> going wild with the with the blame pies in there. Um, by the way, Send I think us your blame think pies. We, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't, you know what? Something about that doesn't seem like it's okay. So maybe don't send us your blame pie. I don't, I don't want to know what trouble. your blame pie looks like. I don't know yeah, what your blame pie looks like. Please don't send it to me. I don't, I don't know. I'm think, a little scared now. Yeah, I think Jonathan DeSantis was doing uh, some TikToks with a, a couple of blame pies. All right, moving on. <laughs> That's, that was a good one. Uh, all right. Moving on. Speaking of show. Jonathan Dos Santos, speaking of Jonathan Dos Santos, what a, what a segue, professionals. Um, That's what I do. Yeah, speaking of Jonathan Dos Santos and Rolf Felcher, supposedly both are back and in quarantine in Los Angeles from their international trips. The idea is that they go and they stay for 10 days, they have tests, and then they are able to come back and play. That means that both players will not be available for the Sunday's game against the Vancouver Whitecaps, but both it seems like at least borderline very close should be back for the LAFC game. We'll see if that ends up happening. It is going to come down to, you know, 
a couple hours, really, whenever you look at the whole thing and, and how it shakes out. So that being said, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, Rolf Foucher, both back in quarantine. The LA Galaxy now, um, after this San Jose Earthquakes loss, uh, have one, two, three, four, five games left, plus some makeup games if they end up being made up, and God only knows if they're going to be made up because they don't really fit into things. So just that's where you sit as of right now, um, and that's interesting. So uh, let's get to the rumor section, and this is an interesting one, and I know most of you have already been following this, um, is that Elmer Sousa, and I should point out, Elmer is actually a, a, a friend of mine, and he used to work for... Uh, Time Warner cable Deportes whenever it was uh, was the Deportes and Time Warner. Um, and so he was a great reporter. He was uh, part of the Deportes team, and I think he was either a sideline reporter or who was up in the booth. I can't remember exactly. Elmer was great. Um, we worked on a whole bunch of stuff for the LA Galaxy whenever the, the TV deal first took off. All those top 10 lists um, were a, a lot of me and Elmer and, and like six or seven other people putting that stuff together um, so we could do it. So Elmer is a trusted source on this. And Elmer Souza is reporting that Robbie Keane could be a candidate to replace Gamer Barish Uh Yes, that Robbie Keane. Uh, Keane them himself, the man who graces <laughs> our studio. Not the guy from Cobra Kai? Not, not, no, not the guy from, uh, from Cobra Kai, which definitely has an LA Galaxy. There's an LA Galaxy producer or, some, or somebody, a writer, yeah. uh, who's a fan. Was unintentional. Uh, who, Yes. Uh, okay. It was it, however it was, but yes, it was. Uh, it, it, it's all there. Uh, Robbie King could be coming back to the LA Galaxy. I'll tell you right now. Our group text that we had was very was very angry all of a sudden whenever there were certain opinions about Robbie Keane and, and where it comes from. Uh, I know the Panda put out his opinion, basically saying that Robbie Keane doesn't have any experience as a head coach and is you know the LA Galaxy you know entry level position. I don't know that I will go as extreme as the Panda because I don't necessarily believe that 100. percent But the question needs to be asked: If you're going out and going to replace somebody with Gamer Barrichello, this team has been a roller coaster since Bruce Arena left. If you want to go back to the timeline real quick, the LA Galaxy chase off Dave Sarakin, who could have been a really good successor to Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena then leaves for the national team. Bruce goes and takes all of his people with him. They put Kurt Anolfo after an exhaustive search, which wasn't very exhaustive, uh, to get Kurt Anolfo in position. Um, they get him there. He doesn't make it through the whole season. Siggy Schmidt comes in. By the way, Siggy was angling for that job since he knew Bruce was leaving, so that was all sort of under-the-table stuff that was going on behind the scenes. Siggy Schmidt comes in. Siggy doesn't make it through. He makes it through one season, but doesn't make it through the second season. Dominic Kinnear takes over as an interim head coach, does the best the LA Galaxy have done, <laughs> really, with the team, but they <laughs> fall short. And doesn't They fall yeah. short. Right, and then there was the search for Gamer Varshkolo. It was almost Caleb Porter. Remember Caleb Porter at the at the Lakers game. Um, still, by the way, we don't want him as an LA Galaxy coach. Just and and if you ever see me in person, you can ask me why, and I'll tell you why. Um, so so Caleb Porter doesn't do it. They end up signing Gamer Varshkolo. That is the history that you have had with the LA Galaxy since Bruce Arena left. There are tons of names in there that could have been, but weren't, but were close, but then were, that then got fired and then quit. And then everything fell apart. Gamer Barrow is going to be the next person to get let go. I don't know if um, I don't know if that if it gets fixed by Robbie. Don't you need you, you really need a stabilizer at this point? And you need somebody who's going to come in. And you thought that was Gamer Barrow because he's getting the most time. He has Dennis DeClosa as his sidekick in this. Uh, you thought that it was going to go. Here's the thing. You're having a guy who's going to come in. And, and by the way, Robbie Keane, supremely talented. Uh, wonderful MLS player, wonderful international player, world class. I'm not, I, there's none of this stuff I, I want to limit. 
Eric. And I think that was sort of the thing is like people are saying, well, you're limiting yes. all the experience he has. I'm, I'm not. Um, in my mind, Robbie Keane is a risk for the LA Galaxy to sign. I like it. I'm not going to say no, but there's a risk in doing this. Um, and you have to let him learn how to be a head coach. He's been an assistant coach. He's he's certainly played under many head coaches. It doesn't always translate. What do you think about the Robbie Keane uh, rumor here? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I was kind of, <laughs> I'm going to ride that fence uh, once again. I, I don't think that the LA Galaxy is an entry-level position, but at the same time, when you have someone at the level of Robbie Keane, it's someone who might be, worth the risk because he's someone who's going to bring a lot of soccer intelligence is going to know how to put things together. He's been an assistant. You look at recent players who have become managers, Patrick Vieira, uh, Thierry Henry, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, uh, even someone like Luis Enrique, you know, in Spain, these are all player, former players easily, easily translated into becoming a head coach and, and, and achieved a relative amount of success. Andrea Pirlo is Juventus an entry level job. You know, it's right, his first yeah. coaching job. But of course, when you have, you know, the talent that they have, it's going to be a little bit easier than maybe working with, with a couple G2 guys and then uh, some DPs. It's going to be different uh, asking them what to do. The other thing uh, that I think needs to be considered, and, and I was going to ask you to filibuster a little bit while I looked into it. But, you know, we mentioned people like Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho. And I know these are big names. I'm not saying that they're in, in, in the hunt for the LA Galaxy. But when they right. became head coaches, they were assistants under or played for someone like Bobby Robson is where their coaching tree comes from. So they had a mentorship and they had an example looking at Robbie Keane's career. I don't know that he's learned from like a Sir Alex Ferguson or a Bobby Robson or someone who has a philosophy that they instilled in. And I wanted to look up, you know, who the Ireland coach was, who was the coach? What club was he at? Aston Villa? Was that the other club that he was at? He, he was at one of a, uh, Right. Yeah. That's why yeah, I wanted to, I, I, to filibuster. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. bottom line is he, he's not, he's not working with a mastermind and someone who's going to have a philosophy. So maybe him being an assistant coach, he's not going to bring that level. So maybe that leap you're right is it is a risk, but at the same time, it's not as big of a risk as, you know, Kurt and Alpha. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, I think, yeah, I no, think some, right. some, you're going to get someone who knows the club that you talk about knowing what it means the, uh, to wear the badge. That's someone who knows, what it means, you know, to wear the crest. So I don't, right. I don't think it's crazy, but, but on that same token, riding the fence, it's not a home run. It's not an easy choice. He, Robbie Keane doesn't take this team and turn it around and make them winners all of a sudden. There, you can't, you can't take that to the bank. Can, can, can I be sentimental with this? Because, it, and so first of all, I'm going to get to why I want to be sentimental, and then I'm going to tell you why I think Robbie Keane could make a really good LA Galaxy coach. And I think Eric, you touched on a bunch of it. So let me tell you about being sentimental. Most coaches, and Bruce Serena was the exception, really. Most coaches get fired whenever they're done, right? Things go wrong. Eventually, it doesn't work. Things need to be changed. You know, Ben Olsen was an, <laughs> as I was talking to somebody, Ben Olsen was an okay soccer player and an even worse coach. Um, but he lasted for a while, and he had the fabric of the team, and and people really, people really liked because he knew what it meant to be, you know, in a D.C. United uniform. You like that. That's where you get Robbie Keane. And, and by the way, two different careers. I don't want to compare them. People are like, you just compared Robbie Keane to Ben Olsen. No, Robbie Keane, you know, head and shoulders above. I love Robbie. He's intense. I think he's fair. Um, I don't think he would let people slack off. Um, he is he is hard on people. Um, you know, he's Zlatan, but shorter. 
Um, so, so it's, it's really, you know, he, he's, he can be less demonstrative only because his wingspan isn't, you know, 12 feet. Um, so Robbie Keane doesn't do that. Having said that, Robbie Keane as a player, um, was an Uber competitor and as an Uber competitor, he was not always, you know, the best guy to be around. And so you wonder about the coaches and stuff like that. He knows what it means to win a championship with Los Angeles galaxy. I think his family would enjoy being back. I think he would enjoy being back. I think that LA galaxy fans would embrace him. And I think he would embrace the fans. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of positives to do this, but if you're getting to the sentimental part at the end, you go there and you say, okay, eventually you're going to have to fire Robbie Keane. And it was already tough sort of, you know, divorcing from Robbie. How they Keane. let them go. What, yeah. yeah. How they let him go before. So do you want to do that again? Um, and, and does that hurt his sort of standing as the King? Um, if he goes out and in two years he's out on his butt because the LA Galaxy can't get it together again? I I, I want to say no because I think they're two different buckets and I think you have to give fans credit to understand that playing days and coaching days are different things and understanding that it's a different task of what it means to undertake. So Robbie Keane, current assistant at Middlesbrough or, or up until this year, so under Neil Warnock. So I don't know how deep the Neil Warnock coaching tree is, uh, but I don't know what's, you know, but again, he's he's seeing how a coach and a philosophy and a team works, so it could possibly work. Eventually, if you do, you know, every coach is going to get fired. It, you know, no, there's no coach who's coached uh, for 100 years last time I checked. So at some point, you're going to have to let them go. And I think you could still have club legend status and, uh, you know, even if you're not successful as a, as a head coach and understand that, um, you know, the, 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 they're two different things. It may taint it though. You look at someone, uh, like Isaiah Thomas, I know this is a basketball, but Isaiah Thomas, who was great with the Detroit Pistons, but ran the Knicks organization into the ground. So that's kind of tainted his legacy. Magic Johnson, Lakers, great. There's no argument. One of the greatest Lakers of all time, but as a head coach and a front office, uh, head ran the organization into the ground a little bit. It's tainted his right. legacy. So you're right. It, it may leave a mark, but I don't think you're going to change, you know, what he was able to bring on the field. It's exciting. It's at least exciting. I, I will say that. Um, by the way, pointing out John Wooden never got fired. That was a good one. Good, good pull. John Wooden, Bruce Arena. That's fair. Bruce Arena didn't, Bruce Arena didn't get fired from the LA galaxy. All right. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> he was left to pursue other opportunities. That's right. He was he was ready to go. And maybe Ireland um, comes calling. Maybe something happens. Yeah, you're right. Maybe you don't end up, you know, having a, a bad breakup. Maybe, maybe, maybe everybody parts. You know, there's those unicorns every once in a while where the two parties are like, <laughs> you know what? It's just not working. Yeah, it's not working for me either. You see it mostly in rom coms. Um, and and I'm doing, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'll go sideways to that. Philip goes, Josh. What formation would Keno play with this current team? Very simply, Robbie Keane would want to be on the field with this current team. He would play as striker, and then everybody else would just fill in behind him. Um, I have no idea. I don't know what Robbie Keane's coaching style is. Um, mostly because he it's hasn't. He hasn't coached anywhere. Why? Because they played a four four two that wasn't really played. a four four two. They did. They didn't play a four four two. That was what it was. He brings Giassi back. He brings. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, by the way, chat room talking. And if you are going to, um, if you are going to move on from Dennis Tecosa, uh, very rightfully pointed out that uh, somebody like Todd Donovan would be a very good ad. Uh, currently the GM at Sacramento Republic and getting that team into Major League Soccer. And he's been on this show many times. He's actually, I would consider him yeah. a friend. 
um, a friend of the show for sure. He's been on this uh, this show since almost its inception. So uh, Todd would be great as well. There are lots of people who could come in here. Um, but bottom line is something has to change with the LA Galaxy. You saw it. Um, and by the way, people are talking about Sunday's game. And let's move a little bit into Sunday's game. It's already you know yeah. well over an hour since we started. But let's let's talk a little bit about Sunday's game. Uh, LA Galaxy. Before yeah, you get go ahead. there, this is how bad things are. We're talking about Robbie Keane, future manager. We're talking about firing Chris Klein, firing Dan Beckerman. There's a game on Sunday, and, and that's the last thing we want to talk about. So that just tells you how bad, bad things are right now. Go on. Well, I mean, the, the, the other part about that is that we always talk about the game coming up at the end of the show. But I don't want to ruin your – yeah, but still. Yeah, but still. Yeah, but still. Uh, yeah I said first. I said it first. Just I would like to point that out. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, no, we, we come to this game. Here's the thing. Even if they win this game, and I'll give you a little bit of a preview of it here in a second, but even if they win this game, it's appeasement at this point. It is not a change. It is not a trend. They've stopped the slide. Congratulations. Uh, you didn't have the worst, you didn't tie the record for the worst losing streak um, ever to do it. You're also talking about, you know, a game. Vancouver Whitecaps have had, or who are in Portland, by the way, that's their home base. They have to fly from Portland down to L.A. for the LAFC midweek game, which they won, by the way, 2-1. to one. They have to fly back to Portland. Then they're going to go Portland back to L.A. for the L.A. game. It's a lot of travel for them. And having said that, I would consider the Vancouver Whitecaps favorites right now because the L.A. Galaxy are mentally broken. Um, I don't see it. And if they win this game, it means nothing. Um, but what it will do is it will... It, it, it means nothing. Uh, you'd have to win three or four of these you know, last five games to really start to move that pendulum back to anything. And by the way, Galaxy perfectly capable of making the playoffs. Even as I say that, they are in 24th out of 25 teams in Major League Soccer and very close to that wooden spoon. There are expansion teams, and not very good expansion teams, but there are expansion teams that are above the LA Galaxy. Um, I was going to say 25 out of 26, by the way. Yeah. Oh, would I say 24? 24 out of 25. Oh, yeah, 20, uh, yeah, 25, so, yeah 25 out of 26. Yeah, but still. Uh, 25 out of 26. Uh, they're sitting, you know, second to last. So that wooden spoon is within, is closer to within grasp than, than any playoff thing is. So uh, Sunday, October 18th, 7.30 p.m. on Spectrum Sports Night. Yay, Spectrum! Uh, Vancouver coming <laughs> off of a 2-1 win over LAFC midweek. Uh, it's a lot of travel for them. Um, and so, you know, this is a game the LA Galaxy won. They need to win if they have any hopes of really trying to reach the playoffs. It's not a must win, but they need to win um, this game. And it's a chance for them to react. Having said that, Eric, they were supposed to react in the San Jose game, and they came out flatter. Than the, and by the way, they had a whole week off in between games to do that, and they got nothing. Um, so yeah. I don't have much hope for this game uh, against Vancouver. Yeah, that, that's that's the frustrating thing about the loss to San Jose and just this this slide. And you're right, if they win against Vancouver, good. You're supposed to be, beat Vancouver. Uh, but much like you know Colorado of seasons past, Vancouver earlier this year and at the end of last year, teams that they are supposed to beat, they don't beat, and that just tells you uh, where they are. If it was someone like Seattle coming to town, even Portland when they came and 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 dropped all those goals on them, you say, well, Portland's you know second in the West. You kind of expect those things. So there, it's a lose lose because if you win, you're supposed to beat them. If you lose, you you now tie tie that streak. I, I mentioned this uh, on Instagram earlier, and, and it's it needs to be pointed out. The frustrating thing about this Galaxy team is even with a win, they're now they're still in last place, and so that's how far of a hole that they've dug themselves out of. They now need multiple wins just to get out of last place, and then that still wouldn't be good enough to put them past Colorado, who hasn't played you know in almost a month, 
and they still sit above the Galaxy. And even if the Galaxy win, they still couldn't leapfrog Colorado, who isn't even playing any games at the moment. So that's they've dug themselves a deep hole. So right now, I think it's about um, the playoff conversation that needs to that that shouldn't be a conversation. It should be climbing out of last place, and then once once you get further in reach, you could have that conversation. Right now, it's stop the bleeding, turn things around. But like you said. Why wasn't it turned around last week? You had the weekend off. Colorado, that game got canceled. So you should they should have been up and ready for this game. Same thing. You just got smacked in the face by your rivals. You should see some fire. You should see some anger. Uh, they should come out ready to win this game. But everything that we've seen in the six-game losing streak has shown. So until they show us different, I don't know that I'm expecting a win. Galaxy has scored, or excuse me, won four games this season. Four games! Going to be close to 23 games. In a row? So far, they've won four games. Yeah, four ga- and that was it. Just four games in a row. That was mm-hmm. it. That was Those were all the wins. Congratulations. You made it to all of them. And it was, oh, wasn't that fun? Wasn't that a good time? Was it, even though you were in the back of your mind, you were questioning whether or not this LA Galaxy team was for real. It was <laughs> how fun. Does, how is this happening? <laughs> yeah, they played well. Um, they did all of that. But yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's bad to, to sort of look at. It, it's bad. And it doesn't fix anything. A win doesn't fix anything. It moves them in a general direction that's better in the direction that they're going right now. But it's like, you know, there's a, whenever you throw a ball up in the air, there's that pause at the very top. Like there's it where it's almost not moving. Um, that would be the LA Galaxy if they if they won. They would be paused, not moving, but just you know, right in that little transition where you know they could either start flying back down again or or it all goes sideways. Uh, do you have any 538 stats? Did you look them up or did I? I we've been you did. Okay, good. You're you're a better no, I'm, better I'm person than I am. Yes, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> the, Give me 538. Thing, 538. I want to highlight the playoff percentages. There was a time where the Galaxy were you know, in the eighties and in the 70% chance to make the playoffs right now, the galaxy sit in five thirty-eight with a 17% chance of making the playoffs, which, you know, by my math is not good. Uh, you look at the teams that are around them, Vancouver, Houston, FC Cincinnati, DC United, uh, and then Real Salt Lake, there's actually a, a big a jump up, but Vancouver's 19%. Real Salt Lake goes to 32%. But look at those teams, Vancouver, Houston, Cincinnati, DC United, dead last, that's the company that the galaxy are in right now. Um, so, so that tells you the, the projections and based on the way things are going, that's why I said, I don't think playoffs is something that should be a discussion because that's just not, it doesn't seem like that's going to be a reality. It's going to be avoiding the wooden spoon. But with all that being said, the LA galaxy is still favored this weekend to beat Vancouver. They have a 64% chance to win a 17% chance to Vancouver and then a 19% chance for a draw. So still the favorites because they're at home. And I think like you mentioned, because Vancouver's traveling, uh, because all those other factors, you know, short rest, but at the same time they beat LAFC. Uh, so they've got something they're on a two game win streak. So don't expect to, to beat up on Vancouver. They're going to come in motivated and ready to win as well. The LA Galaxy and their goal predictions. If this was a 34-game season, uh, based upon the goals that they've given up so far, the LA Galaxy would have allowed 72.3 goals in a 34-game season, which I believe would be a record, um, a, a not-so-good record, and they will have only scored 44.6 goals. I talked about the minus 13 goal differential being the worst or the second worst in LA Galaxy history if it all ended right now. Um, playoffs? You want to talk about the Playoffs? <laughs> uh, no, we don't want playoffs. to talk about the playoffs. I'm, 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 yeah, the play. You want to talk about the play? The best thing I ever did was show my wife those that, that video and practice. You want to talk about practice? 
not a game, <laughs> but practice because now I get to use those and she gets to use those at me. And quite honestly, I think it's the I think it's the key to a happy marriage. That and having a ghost. And it in also your house. those are those are the things that I was <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. And it also probably helped with the Ted Lasso reference when that was referenced on the show. And then one of my other favorite ones, I actually have two more favorites because we're going to, we're off the rails already. We're running late. Press conferences, look up, uh, I I believe that's Jim Mora Sr. playoffs, Allen Iverson practice, Google these. Next one, Denny Denny Green. They are who we thought they were, you know, with with the Mm -hmm. the Chicago Bears coming and beating up on them. (laughs) And then you want to crown them, crown them. Great, great speech there. And then the last one is, uh, uh, Oklahoma State. I think I'm, I'm getting that right. You want to come at me? I'm a man. I'm 40. So again, l- look those up. <laughs> great press conferences. You want? You know, don't talk about these kids. Come to me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Great, great line. Uh, I love that. that. That's good. No, those are, those are some great things there. By the way, that's some that's some good old fashioned sports. And that Denny Green. Uh, I was in Arizona, and he was the head coach of, Arizona, of the Cardinals at the time, and watched that game. Uh, on TV and was cracking up whenever he was. They are who we thought they were. Uh, you want to crown them? Crown them. I was. Oh, great, great. <laughs> I think great. that was Matt Liner. So much fun. Who t- took a beating. Yeah, it it could have been. It very well could have been. All right. Uh, I think that does it for us. The LA Galaxy face off against the Vancouver Whitecaps on October eighteenth, seven thirty p.m. on Spectrum Sportsnet. Yes. Last word. Game prediction. Score. Oh, game prediction. LA Galaxy lose. Seven to nothing. No, that's too much. Uh, two to one. <laughs> two to one. Two, I, I'll, I just, I'll just reel that that's back. What I have. Yeah, I have yeah, a loss. Two, two to one. Um, as well. You know what happens? They probably tie this game. It's a real like sort of kiss your but, sister moment. It's gonna it's gonna do absolutely fact, nothing. Vancouver, the Vancouver Whitecaps have not tied a single game this season. Seven wins, eleven losses in eighteen games. This it's is the game. Happen. They're due now. You know it's gonna. This you're gonna hit green. Double zero. <laughs> My roulette thing. It came up black seven times in a row. It's going to be red. All right. uh, We'll let everybody go. Uh, You can head over to our Discord. Lots of discussion. Lots of uh, angry people. I understand it. Um, Everybody keeping it pretty civil. I only had to, like, you know, threaten to beat somebody up once. So it was fine. All right. uh, If you're looking looking for nothing, Eric, why don't you tell people where they can find you, and then we'll get on out of here. It's Thursday, not Monday. All right. You can find me on Twitter at HammerEV. You can also find me on Instagram at Galaxy Profile. That's Galaxy P-R-O-F-O-U-L. And also check out Grading the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. There are new grades and player averages posted after every game. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter at Jay Guessman at Galaxy Podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. We'll leave it with that. All right. For Eric, the Portuguese Hammer, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy cornerofthegalaxy.com. Be safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.